Stories of the human spirit. Candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The Law of Action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to the show, action takers. Glad to have you. Living the Law of Action is based on my book, The Law of Action, and I love to connect with the movers and shakers of the world who are passionate about the good they do for others and who listen to their hearts, taking inspired action every single day. If this is your first time joining us or you've been with us for a while, I want to personally thank you for listening in and being here today. Please rate, review The Living Law of Action show on your favorite podcast platform. I would so appreciate it. On this show, my guests are incredible. People who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of inspired action. My guest today does just that. In this episode, Aaron Maltz and I discuss unique challenges we all face in life. Every single one of us has a great degree of control over our own fate through our choices and the actions we take. So if you want to shed your ego, push yourself to take risks, try new things every single day, and to break free of letting others' words or opinions hold you back in life and not have that happen, and see yourself for who you truly are so you can learn how to understand the value that you bring to the table, this is the show for you. Aaron's journey began when he discovered the gym at 14 years old as a means to help overcome a difficult childhood, being badly bullied. Through building himself up mentally and physically, he rose above that challenging time and has since turned his passion for health and fitness into not only a lifestyle, but a career as well. As a veteran in the fitness industry and father of two boys, he leads by example through focusing on his own constant self-improvement, but also helping so many others with his online fitness platform, FitLab, on YouTube. Aaron, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here with you, and I'm excited to get going with this. Absolutely. Well, you know, you definitely are fit. Uh, your photo, as you can see in the tile, is uh, definitely <laughs> Aaron is fit. And so, well, let's just take it all the way back. So 14 years old, you got into the gym, and unfortunately, um, you were bullied. Now, where was the bullying come from? Good question. So I, I had a very interesting time growing up. I always had the belief back then that you know, if you treat others with respect and kindness, they'll do the same back. Well, I got to middle school. By the way, I'm about 41 years old now, almost 42. So this is way back in my past. But I got to around middle school age and I discovered those laws did not work anymore. Out the door and I looked like Steve Urkel. My mother dressed me in suspender built-in pants and big glasses with the strap around my neck. And I looked like a little old man at 12 years old. Not a very good thing. So basically, I would get beat up and bullied and made fun of on a daily basis. It was, it was just such a hard time in my life. And I remember 
after enduring close to three years of this and really having no friends, there was another kid just like me. I actually tell the story in one of my videos on my YouTube channel, but there was this other kid just like me. And I'm sad to say that he could not take it anymore. And this, this boy actually committed suicide. Oh man. And that was a horrendous thing. And it shook me to my core and it, it really, it woke me up a bit because I, I easily at that point could have almost went down that same path. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. Uh, it was a very difficult time for me. And when that happened, I said to myself, I looked in the mirror, I said, I am not going to let this be my fate as well. And I, I remember, you know, I was begging my parents, to let me get contact lenses and all that other stuff. I would even walk around the school, taking my glasses off, bumping into things, not even being able to see the board in class because I refused to be this, this person anymore. So then that, that summer, right before high school, I finally won that battle. I got contact lenses, got a new wardrobe with no built-in suspenders in my pants. <laughs> and I, I ended up discovering the gym. And this was a very hard choice, but it was a choice that was the most important thing in my life. I was a skinny little kid. I, I, you know, that was part of the reason why I got beat up. I, I didn't have the confidence to defend myself. I didn't have the strength mentally or physically yet. And I went to the gym for the first time. And ironically, all the kids that bullied me and beat me up were in there with me. And oh, I yeah. didn't care. Oh, I, yeah. I had to face this. I was determined at all costs to go and build myself up. So even, even if it meant being mocked by them while I was in there doing what I had to do, and I, I was persistent and consistent and I took action and I did that. And you know what? My body and my mind took to it very quickly. I, I don't know if it's good genetics or I used all that experience that I had, that negative experience to, as fuel to push me towards my goal. But I really made tremendous progress very quickly. And right, so what was that like going into the lion's den? Like that's the lion's den, man. That's, that's intense. It was not easy, honestly. Um, and, and, you know, this is something, a good topic because, well, a good part of the story, because I think, you know, nothing in life that's easy is ever worth doing, right? It's the things that are more difficult that are really so worth doing. And this is one of those exact cases because it was hard as anything to get myself in there, in the, especially in the beginning, where I knew I was going to face these guys. I knew that they were going to be, you know, just starting trouble or trying to or make fun of me or whatever it was. And I was determined to push through it because I was sick and tired of the stuff that I had been dealing with. So it was tough, um, but I ignored it. I pushed it to the back of my head and, and I just kept plowing forward. And so, okay, so I want to dive into that. So yeah. that's a big fear. So you had to overcome your fear, first of all, to take the action and go into the, the fitness room. Yep. So how did you overcome that? What, what, what drive, what, what did, what allowed you to do that? You know, I think it was a culmination of things that, you know, first of all, obviously that kid who I told you about, who did not make it, unfortunately. Right. That was the, the beginning of it. And that was always in the back of my mind. But, you know, I just was determined to not be stuck in that position in life. And I did not, I wanted to take control of my own fate and make sure that I was in full 
power and I was in the driver's seat of my future and not allowing them to be the ones in control of that. So I had this fire inside that just would not stop. And I said, I'm going to do this on, at all costs, no matter what. Uh, well, at all costs, I'd never done a, you know, never done a drug in my life. I've never used anything like that. This was, it was just purely doing things the right way, but, but putting a full effort into it. Okay. So, so did you, so you, you can't just like be bullied and be uh, Urkel and thin and scrawny and not into fitness and then dive into a, a weight room and know what you're doing. So did your bullies actually no. <laughs> end up rallying around you or did you just figure it out? How did you do that? Not at all. Not at all. So there were a couple of teachers that were in there after school and you know, they didn't know everything, but they gave me a good running start at least. Um, some of their information wasn't great as tends to be, but uh, especially back then when we didn't have internet, I'm really dating right. myself here, but yeah, we had no internet. It was hard to find good information. I had to buy a magazine to, to try to figure everything out and ask the teacher questions when they didn't even really have all the answers, but I would watch what everyone did. And this is, this is actually a common theme in my life, watching what other people did who were successful in whatever role or position I was vying for or wanted to be successful in. So I would, I would kind of passively watch what other, everyone else did. The guys who seemed to be successful in the gym, the guys who seemed to be making progress. And again, not all of them did the right thing, but I was kind of mirroring what I saw. And, and thank goodness, mostly it worked. Of course, I got injured a few times here and there doing some stupid stuff, but you know, that's the, the kind of thing that happens. It tends to happen, you know, when, when you're a beginner in anything could be in business, could be in this regard. We make mistakes, we learn from them, we don't repeat them again. Okay, so you're 14 years old, you're 15 years old, you're 16 year old, when did you start to transition? When did you start to get out of your Urkel stage and your, your, you know, your geek stage, whatever, your just you know, awkward stage? It happened pretty quick, actually. Um, within a couple months of working out, I mean, for anyone who knows anything about exercise, once you start, when you're a beginner, they call it newbie gains or beginner gains. It happens quickly. Uh, you really start to get strong very quick and build muscle pretty quick. Now, that's providing you're eating healthy and getting enough rest, recovery time, etc. But it really did work very fast for me. And within about two months, I was on the soccer team, freshman soccer team, and I had some kids that were trying to, still trying to bully me and beat me up. And I remember I finally felt good enough and strong enough mentally, physically, and the confidence that I had. And I ended up fighting back and I ended up beating the crap out of these kids. And, you know, it, it was empowering. Not that I promote fighting. I do not promote fighting. No, I got I it. I was defending myself. No I, I, no, I got it. It's self-defense. And, and it's unfortunately, um, look, my daughter was bullied in school and it's, it's terrible. And I've, I've seen so many kids that are bullied. We do a whole episode on just high school and junior high bullying. And, you know, it's, it's terrible. So, yeah. Do you think, because look, I know you stood up to your bullies and do you think because you took momentum in your life and you started the fitness and you started to work out and get stronger, do you think the apprehension from people wanting to bully you was as much as your body or was it the confidence, that inner strength that you were starting to develop, that mental acuity? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, it, this was something that definitely gave me a skill set that was necessary for all the other things I was going to do later in life. I think that um, 
the confidence building was the biggest factor for me because I, before that I had none, zero. Right. I, I right. had such a negative viewpoint of myself and it was really a lot, a lot of it was based on just everyone always putting me down and, and you know, not, no one really accepting me at, at that young age. And once I started to build that confidence up, it really helped propel me in the future and, and want to keep on riding that positive wave forward. So. Well, so fast forward. So you went through high school, then you went off to college. Mm -hmm. And so how were things, were you getting bullied or where were things at? Oh no. So that ended, that ended, I would say somewhere halfway through high school, that, that bullying more or less ended. Uh, was you know, it on that soccer there, field? Every kid was deals with it. Soccer field where that ended? That it one was time you on the soccer that? field. It yeah, was, but, <laughs> partially on the soccer field, partially in the bus, and partially just in the hallways. It was, you know, not a rough town, but it had its rough edges. So, right. went off to college, and fitness at that point already had really become a lifestyle, and it, it came to truly define a big part of who I was already, and. It was, it was a passion of mine. I was actually an exercise science major in college at Rutgers University. So clearly this was something that was way beyond just a lifestyle. It was something I wanted to pursue as a career as well to now help people. I wanted to learn everything I possibly could about it and then give back to society and anyone who I could possibly help. And that it, that's really uh, where my path as, as far as my career began. Now you've trained some amazing people, like you've trained some names. Yeah, and that was that was interesting. So that I didn't start out like that. I my my career really began when I was at Rutgers. I, you know, I started managing the fitness center on campus, and then I got my training certification while still a full time student. I was paying for college myself. I was working three jobs while a full time college student. Um, paying off whatever debt that I was accruing and, you know, and, and so, yeah, I was making decent money even while a full-time student. And after years of doing that, a handful of years, I was doubling my clientele every year. Um, I ended up working by chance with a couple uh, NBA basketball players, former players who were looking to get back into the game again. And and then I, I trained another uh, couple of people who were uh, doctors who worked for, they, they worked with a couple of big sports teams like the Devils and the uh, what used to be the Metro Stars now is the Red Bulls the soccer team in New Jersey. And by potluck, their receptionist ended up being the fiance of the, uh, the personal assistant to a very famous uh, NBA basketball player from one of the local teams who ended up randomly calling me one day. I, here's a funny story. I ended up hanging up on the guy after he tells me that, that his, his client wanted to hire me as his trainer. This was so out of the blue, like totally out of the blue. I, I basically told him off, hung up the phone. Thank God. Two <laughs> minutes later, he called me back and said, don't hang up on me. This is so serious. That was the greatest story. I love that. Oh, and, and he, and he goes, don't hang up. What do you want to be paid? What is your fee? I want you to start tonight. He really wants to work with you. And I, I named a fee. And it was, you know, it was a lot because I would have had to drop a lot of my clients because I had to commute all the way into the city. And he didn't even bat an eye. And that night I started. And I remember walking in. And this was my first real big client. 
and where things took, I took things to the next level. And I remember walking in and all the, just by chance, all the Nets and Knicks cheerleaders were in his apartment. And there were some other pretty big celebrities in there, in there playing video games, playing on the Xbox. And I just walk in like, what in the world did I just walk into? And it was the most amazing moment. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm acting like this is totally normal. Lo and behold, I ended up training him. I kicked his butt in the gym and, and he, you know, loved every second of it. And he was the greatest guy. I didn't even name him yet. Uh, he can remain nameless for now, but um, I'll just give you this clue. He was a very, very prominent player on the, on the uh, New Jersey Nets at the time. And this goes back to 2007. So anyway, um, I ended up becoming his full-time trainer and got him to be top 10 in the league in the scoring in scoring that year. And I, you know, just, I, I loved every second of it. I felt like I was partially responsible behind the scenes for his success. Of course, he was the one doing all the hard work and, and really just, you know, steamrolling over everyone in the games, but it was such a, I became so passionate about this because I was invested in his success, just like I always was with all my clients. But right. now it was on a national stage. I was watching it unfold and it, it just felt amazing. Amazing. Okay, so when you got this point, so we talk about the law of action, and it's based on decide, plan, and act. And that's really simple in, in, in saying it. However, a lot of people get stuck in the planning stage and they never take action. They're stopped by fear. So they plan. So they get that call and then they plan. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then because of fear, they're like not worthy and they don't accept the job. So you did that. You broke through your fear. Did you have fear at all accepting that job or you just said, I'm all in? Was there hesitation? Oh, I definitely did have some fear, uh, being totally honest that yes, I remember getting that call and, and afterwards, you know, looked in the mirror of my car <laughs> when I parked in the parking lot. And I, and I said, looked at myself, like, how the hell did I get this? And, and how am I worthy of this? I mean, yeah. I knew I was, I was good at my job, but, but to be training a professional athlete who was top in, in his class and, and to be trusted with that. It was such a like a uh, like a, an amazing moment, and yes, I did doubt myself. And I remember all the prep work I did going into that. Boy, boy, I mean, like a couple hours of figuring out. Okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? I've never prepped so hard in my life. It, I felt like I was cramming for for the, a final exam with like right. four hours, you know, to to study, and it ended up not being hard, obviously, because I knew my stuff. But you know. Yes, I could totally remember how I almost could have defeated myself ahead of time going into that situation. And I can imagine a lot of other people could feel the same exact way if they were put in a similar situation. And, but I, again, I just plugged away. And I guess that was another example of where we didn't say this yet, but I've, I've grown accustomed to this putting into action this phrase that I, that's often repeated, but getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and putting yeah. myself in situations that really made me uncomfortable with the purpose of growing, growing personally and or growing professionally. So that was certainly one of those cases and just rolling with it and, and doing the absolute best that I possibly could. That's awesome. Well, one of the things, so the last episode of the Leading the Law of Action show, I had Andrea King on, and she's all about flow. And I talk about this in my book is that when you're in flow and you're doing what you're supposed to do, it's effortless. 
you know, so I bought a, I just bought a radio show, Life Transformation Radio. And my wife was talking to me and she's like, oh my God, you've done all this work and the branding and getting everything ready and the guests and stuff. And she goes, and now you really have to work because you're gonna have to be on the air and do all these interviews. And I go, that's the easy part. That's just like <laughs> no effort whatsoever. I mean, it's funny. So, you know, even when I'm doing this, I mean, I pop in one minute before I come on. It's, it's not, it's just so effortless. Just like you, you walk into a, a gym and it's so effortless for you because it's in your DNA. It's what you're supposed to be doing. And it's just so much in flow. And it's amazing. So the universe will take note of where you are and say, hey, Aaron, you've been playing here. Now you're in momentum. You're playing here and new opportunity just appears and people don't understand that. But when you're in flow and you're living a life of inspired action in momentum, magic happens. I, I agree. I think that, you know, look, when you're in it and you, you put yourself in, in these situations, it's so important to do that because you know what? It's so easy for everyone to doubt ourselves once you throw yourself into the wolf's den, so to speak, and it's sink or swim, are you, you know, realistically, are you going to let yourself sink? You're going to flow. You're going to move with whatever it is that roll with whatever's happening, but you're going to rise to the occasion, right? Because what's the alternative? That's not, that's not a, something that I would ever accept. And I think, I think a lot of other people, that's an important thing for them to realize that, you, you know, when you're doing something, whatever it may be, whether it's self-improvement, whether it's a new career or a new job or anything for that matter, you want to show up with your right foot forward. And look, we all doubt ourselves every day, every single day. We all doubt whatever we, we may do. I might not be worthy, new job, uh, you know, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, that is a self-defeating thought, right? I see this with fitness too. I can totally relate this to that, where a lot of people who I work with are overweight or obese. And this is so such a relatable and important topic for that because people tend to feel overwhelmed and, and defeat themselves even before they begin. They think it's too hard. I can't do this. It, you know, and they have this feeling of it's all or nothing and it's not all or nothing. This is not a black or white subject. Everyone has to just start somewhere, start at yeah. your own pace, wherever you actually are at the moment and then, and then get acclimated and keep rolling with it and keep improving as, as you go. So it's a totally relatable, um, you know, topic to exactly what I've done working with my clients over the years. And I think that's an important message for people like that to always hear. Yeah, it's not it's not an instant um, success. It takes a while. You're building that foundation. You're building your building blocks. And and I agree with you. What you said is that so many people they go into a fitness regime and they want to work out. They want to transform their body. And they're like, "Well, I could never do a hundred push-ups." Well, you can start at one. You can go to two. You can go to five. You can go to ten. You can go to twenty because the stronger you get, the more you can do. And it's just the way the body mechanics work. And you, it's amazing when you start feeling really strong. There's something about feeling strong that's incredibly fulfilling. Like I've on and off, I haven't worked out as much as I have during this pandemic. I didn't work out a lot. I've done some home fitness, but not as much as I was before. I mean, my arms have shrunk. I was in really good shape before the pandemic. 
and I had a trainer and the gyms closed and stuff like that. So I'm starting to get back in and I'm doing a lot more home stuff, the planks and the push-ups and the squats and um, feeling really good. It energizes you from the inside out. And the one thing that people fail to realize, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that if you're overweight and you're going to a trainer, you're going to a gym, it's not as much as you losing weight as it is the focus should be on getting healthy. I could not agree more. Yes. Now, weight loss is important, obviously. Being in a, at a ballpark healthy weight, yes, that's important. But it's the, it's the physical activity. It's getting your, your muscles moving, getting them fired up, getting building some muscle strength and, and size, but also getting, it's really about your heart, right? Absolutely. Because being out of shape and a big misconception actually for the whole fitness world is that people think, oh, I'm not overweight or obese. I'm in shape. Actually, no, if you're sedentary, you could be a normal weight, but if you're sitting on the couch of doom all the time and you can't seem to get yourself up, you don't do physical activity, you're, you're the person who rides the escalator and doesn't walk on an escalator. Rather, you stand and let it take you up. and <laughs> You don't know, you wouldn't know what to do if it stopped. Then yes, you are also very out of shape and at risk of having heart disease or any of the other sedentary re related type of you know, cardiovascular diseases over time. Now, obviously, if someone is overweight or obese, there is an, a greater increase in, in risk. Right. But, but yes, it's, you know, it, it, you just have to start and it's so important and it can seem overwhelming to someone, uh, especially, especially in these times where, you know, now there is no gym now. Well, actually I could even argue might be more overwhelming before because people get very scared to step foot in a gym when they don't know what to do. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, um, you know, raise your hand and say, Hey, you know, I, I need to talk to someone who works here or, uh, can somebody help me? And that's actually another very good point to make because I am a firm believer in checking your ego at the door in order to make progress. And Absolutely. this could, again, could be about the gym and getting in shape. It could be about a job. It could be about your personal life. I've seen countless people get in their own way of personal growth, professional growth, success in anything by not being able to shed the, the ego shell that surrounds them. And, and making themselves a little more vulnerable and being able to be introspective and look at themselves from the outside in and accept someone helping them or accepting that they might have made a mistake and they, they have to learn from it. That is such a vital and very important thing for everyone to do. And if you're not able to do that, sometimes I think it, it's helpful to look in the mirror and say, well, why am I not doing that? Why am I, why do I have this ego protecting me? What am I trying to protect? What's the issue? Because that is getting in your way. If that's, if that's your issue. Yeah, and fitness is so important in that you can pay. It's like a mechanic. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. And the pay me now is to put in the work and exercise and live a healthy lifestyle. If you do not do that, the pay me later is high medical bills and a sedentary lifestyle. And, you know, as we get older, it's really important in the 40s and 50s to keep exercising because when you're 60 and 70, you're going to prevent yourself from having a lot of pains and the ability to move. You want to keep stretching. I just did a voice of the other day of, 
it was senior fitness. And it was so, so important what I was hearing. They were talking about that. And it's just, it. you can pay me now or you can pay me later. I could not agree more. Again, you know, it's it's funny. I'll tell, I'll tell you a really funny story. And I actually did talk about this briefly in one of my other videos, but it's such a relevant and true story for so many people. So this dates back to now when I was in college and I was an exercise science major and I was um, studying to get my personal training certification. I may have even been a trainer already at that point. And I remember this one particular summer I was studying from home. I was taking summer classes. I was, I mean, I was on a mission to get this done and I would, I was living in my parents' house that summer. And my mom would always say, I don't have time to work out. I was always getting, getting on her case about it. And my dad that year, I think I was actually able to get him into the gym with me and he took to it and it became a nice thing that we did together. We shared the experience. That's a whole nother story a whole nother point. Because I think that if you find someone that you can start working out with, that's a very helpful thing as well. He had me to teach him everything. I enjoyed that time with him. We bonded over it. And I would tell my dad all the time that he was my best friend. And it's, it's true. You know, it was just a really nice commonality we developed together. My mother I was dying to get her to do this because I knew how much better she would feel. And I, and I saw the future, the writing on the wall that if my mom did not get off her butt off the couch of doom, she's going to kill me if she hears this whole thing, by the way. Or, you know, so, but if she did not commit to trying at least to just showing up and letting me help her and, and just giving it a shot that she would have a darker future ahead of her that I did not want her to have. So I was trying to be this positive influence. Now the story goes in a funny way. She kept on saying, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I I have so many things going on. Well, I did a, something that anyone would probably hate me for doing. (laughs) I sat in the other room, the the kitchen, not the table. And I would do all my studying and whatever. And I keep kept a separate notebook next to me where for that every evening, that whole week, I kept a timeline of what she did in the evening. And I found that every night she had an average of about three and a half to four hours a night of just sitting on the couch, watching television, you know, eating snacks and watching her shows. Maybe in between she'd have a couple breaks of doing laundry or whatever, but for the most part, just sitting there. And yet she claimed she had no time. So at the end of the week, I presented her with the paper and needless to say, it did not go over very well. She you know, tore me apart because yeah. I presented her with the facts, with the truth of the situation. And I proved her wrong. Now, I don't suggest people do this. It's not the best way to motivate someone to, right. to do that. But it's a perfect point to make that, you know, we like to tell ourselves stories that become excuses for why we don't do things. When we probably know the reality, we may know the truth, but we don't like to confront it or to see it. And it's a hard reality to swallow sometimes. Now, has my mom still gone to the gym? No. And guess what? She ended up having hip replacement surgery. Everything I said came to pass, basically. She's, you know, now, you know, I'm not going to say her age. She's not, she's not in the best shape. Although I will give her credit. She just started to exercise finally uh, this past week or two weeks ago, and she seems to be sticking with it. And I, and I'll say this every day. It's, there's never a bad time to start exercising unless it's always tomorrow. Right. Because yeah. tomorrow never comes then. So well, I'm you know, proud you, of her for doing it finally. Yeah, I'm proud of her too. That's great. She should be very proud of you as a son in that, you know, you do things to overcome fear. You, you start things that you, 
just because. I mean, you have a YouTube channel. It's called Fit Lab. And just tell me a little bit about starting that and the process, how you did that. Great, great question. So this was the greatest thing I've done in my life for many reasons. So I have two young sons. They're the focus of my life. They're the best things. Being a dad is the best thing ever. And I consider it to be the most important job I'll ever have in my life, right? Yeah. Raising these two boys the right way, teaching them all the things they need. So I, I had had a bit of a hiatus from the fitness industry, even though I still did work with a few clients here and there on the side. And I, I got into commercial real estate. I got a little derailed from my fitness roots for a few years. And I did not like that. I, I you know, look, I, I made good money doing it. And I, there were parts of that career I liked, but you know what? End of the day, it wasn't me. It was trying to fit a square peg through a round hole and it's never going to work. And it was not me. And I, I just, I didn't like who I looked in when I saw in the mirror. I didn't like what I saw. And so, you know, I had a couple other things I did after that. But at the end of the day, I finally said, I love, I, I loved what I used to do. And I also realized that a lot of people can't, couldn't pay the rates that I was charging. I was charging like celebrity trainer rates. And there's a lot of people who that misses. So I wanted to do something that was, first of all, scalable. Second of all, that could reach a whole lot of people through a lower price point, but without sacrificing the quality of what I was able to do. Well, that was an online business. And this was before any of this stuff this past year. So this, this was about a year and a half before any of this, this craziness in the world started. Right. And I had people telling me, this sounds stupid. This is ridiculous. And I, and I, you know, I, I was committing to it. Now I had never made a video in my life outside of taking some video from vacation with a, you know, a camcorder and I would make my parents watch it and they would want to throw up because it was so terrible. And they would tell me it was cruel and unusual punishment, begging me to turn it off. So I was now committing to making a YouTube channel, making fitness videos when that was my only prior experience. And I spent the net after I had this bright idea, I spent the next year while I was obviously doing research and development and building the website and, and figuring right. it all, the whole business out and setting up the foundation for it. I was watching literally thousands of videos, many, many videos a day, figuring out, okay, what makes a video interesting? What makes a video boring? How, how do they film this? Let me learn how to do that. And I, I got some basic equipment to start and I knew that the only way to make this work was to be the best, come out of the gates, high quality, better than it, almost anything else out there. I had no clue how I was going to do it, but I was going to learn. And that's exactly what I did. I, I forced myself to be uncomfortable. I, I was not ready to be on camera. I had no clue how to do this. And before I even made a single video, I must have filmed myself for about 10 hours and out of that 10 hours, maybe two minutes was usable footage because I was at one giant blooper reel. <laughs> it was so bad. So, well, you know what? Just got going into the gym. You got to start somewhere, right? Absolutely. You just one have to show up. Good you got to show up and that's it. And that's what it was all about. And just practice makes perfect. And the more I did it, the less awkward it got, the better I became at it. And you know, look, my first video, I look back now, I'm kind of embarrassed of it at the time. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. No, I'm, bad. I'm embarrassed of it now, but I keep it there as a testament to how far I've come in, in such a short time and how much I've learned, how quickly I've learned. And every video I've made subsequent to that, I wanted to make leaps and bounds in the quality of whatever I did. 
And, and so I did that. And unfortunately, every video takes me longer and longer to make now because I keep on making movie quality videos, but it's worth every minute that it takes me because it's helped me to grow quickly and it's helped me to help more people as well. That's fantastic. Aaron, I really want to thank you for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule to be here today on the Living the Law of Action show. Really just love just doing a little bit of a deep dive into your bullying. I'm so glad you've overcome it. And look at all the lives that you transform by being an action taker that you are. You're very inspirational. And I'm humbled that you're here today. Thank you. Well, thank you. It makes two of us. I'm humbled that you had me. This is, uh, you know, anytime I can have a voice to really add value and help people and to help them realize they have power. They have such a power and positive influence on themselves and their futures. And they are actually the ones that hold the cards to their fate in the future. A lot of people forget that. So anytime I have the opportunity to speak to these, these points and, you know, maybe reach someone who, who needs to hear this stuff, I'm glad to jump on that opportunity. And I thank you very much for allowing me to have that today. Absolutely. Hey, you can learn more about Aaron at fitlab.com. That's fitlab with two Bs. You can also check him out on YouTube at fitlab, Instagram, the underscore fitlab. And uh, of course, are you on Clubhouse? Yes, I am. I am on Clubhouse. And you are at Clubhouse? Um, I, uh, my handle there is at fitlab, again, with two Bs at the end, all one word. Uh, or my name, Aaron Maltz, either one. So one of those ways you can reach out to Aaron and there you go. Now, when you do reach out, please let Aaron know that you listen to this episode of the Living the Law of Action show. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me along with my very special guest, Aaron Maltz, to touch you, move you, inspire you. Remember, decide, plan, act. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time, live a life of inspired action. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actis. Please rate, review, and subscribe.